You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him 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 out the door. Welcome to Radical Australia. Community Radio 3CR. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano and our wonderful producer, Kelly Whitworth, has put a hand in the barrel, the radical barrel, and pulled out Mr Blair Martin. How are you, Blair? I'm well, Joseph. How are you? I cannot believe how rounded your tones are for a Queenslander. <laughs> were you, were you... This is, yeah, this is very true. I, <laughs> I once, my father, who's long since gone, has played over the phone to me one day a recording. He said, I've got something I want to share with you. And I listened to this voice speaking and I started to hear him go, is that my brother who's younger than me and has very much the Rockhampton accent, and which is where I'm from, Rockhampton and Central Queensland of the Tropic of Capricorn. And I'm going, and then I started to hear what it was talking about. Went, oh my god, this was the audio letter home, the cassette letter home that I did from my first year when I was at University of Griffith University in Brisbane, when it was only just at Nathan and Estate Forest in 1980. And I went, my god, I had an accent. Somewhere after that, I started working, and then I got into theatre and, and performing and radio and all that. And I thought, no, I need to have a better sounding voice. So I changed it. <laughs> and it's, it's been like that for about four, just under 40 years. Yeah. So, <laughs> but my father said, he, he said, we have this in archives, and that's a copy. And I said, you bastard. You're <laughs> You're going to pull that out at some point and say, he didn't always sound that articulate, you know. <laughs> you re- you realise, Blair, there are two types of Queenslanders, those like you that change their accent and those like me that leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So many Queenslanders, yes, they yeah. have gone. But my hometown of Rockhampton, it's only, what, 64,000 people mm. and has hardly changed in that number in 40, 50, 60 years, mm. the number of people that have contacts, either they've lived there briefly, <laughs> they've passed through it, they know people. I mean, for, 
for a city on the Fitzroy River in the middle of a valley in Durumbul country, I mean, it's got a massive connection to the world. Yeah, you, you know why. You've got to go through Rockhampton to get anywhere. True. You know. It's absolutely true. I mean, if you're, you, you want to go up north, you've got to go through Rockhampton and you've got to have a burger there on the way up. Yeah. Now, so what year were you born? What, what year were you born, Blake? 62, 1962. Oh, you're just a baby. You're just a baby. I know. I'm younger, I'm younger than you, but we share a beard. <laughs> yeah, but uh, has your beard progressed from black to salt and pepper or white? No, no. It's still black. You dye, you, I, you dye your beard. No, I, I don't dye my beard. I don't. How dare you, sir? Well, um, you are, you are no, an actor. It has changed colour from time to time, but no, I'm I'm a ranger, so a ranger. Uh, yeah, so I I had a, an auburn beard in mm. the eighties. Mm. Briefly, from time to time, I've had it, but most of the time, I've been clean shaven. And then a few years, couple of years ago, I went, "Oh, bugger this!" And and I have white hair. I've never had the grey. <laughs> Rangers, we don't go grey. <laughs> We're either red, yes. and then we go white. Mm. So I have this white beard, but my hair has not gone. Right. My hair is still mostly auburnish. It's slightly, you know, more darker now. It's a bit older, right. and. And it's quite long. I've been growing it for a few years. Mm. So I look like this bizarre version of, I don't know, Hagrid from the Harry Potter universe. Or <laughs> some people say you're very Viking looking. And I Ooh. went, bizarre. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I want to ask you about your raping and pillaging if you're Viking looking. That's not a story. Oh, that's, that's, that's just, that's. That's history from the French. The French <laughs> held bad history. Yeah, Just because they yeah. got beaten, yeah. they went and said, well, they are... Yeah. Oh, no, they didn't get beaten. No, the French were very smart. They gave Normandy to your mob. That's and, true. And, and you protected <laughs> the French, Charlemagne, the king. You did really That's well, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, decided to go across and take that little island. That's right. <laughs> as, well, <laughs> as well as a few other islands in the Mediterranean. No, and halfway down the that's halfway right. down through Russia too. You, you think you're an entertainer? Who was? Uh, did you actually listen to the uh, introductory music? Now that's interesting. You should say that. That voice is very familiar to me, but it's I'm struggling to place who that is. Can I? Can, it's, I, can I mention yeah. the word "girls" in our town? You could. Struggling. Uh, <laughs> How about if I mention the word Margaret? Margaret Roadnight. That's right, yeah. We interviewed Thank her. Thank you very much. I finally got there. Because <laughs> I'm listening going, it's so bloody familiar. Yeah. Of course, because, you know, Margaret Roadnight. Uh, now enjoying a, a, a semi retirement on the Blackall Range, I believe. Yes. The yes. north of Brisbane. But yeah, Margaret Roadnight. Oh, well done. No. Round of applause for me. Yeah, I interviewed her a few years ago and she was really pissed off because all the songs she was singing were other people's songs and she never got any royalties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've interviewed artists who have said the same thing. Um, uh, Katrina Laskanich of Katrina and the Waves said, you know, I, I've never made a cent off Walking on Sunshine, she said, because that was written by somebody else. But that's a signature tune. She said, I've had to keep working and writing my own stuff to at least try and get something mm. back. She said, for the song, there was, oh, you must be rich because you had a worldwide number one and 
no, we didn't write it. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, going back to the very beginnings, young mm. Blair, do you remember, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? And don't tell me it would have been slapped on the bum because you weren't breathing when you were born, because <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> no, that's very true. I don't remember any of that nonsense. But, uh, I am, I am as per the Scottish play from my mother's womb, untimely ripped. Uh, as my mother said, this is why she could never wear a bikini after I was born, because I gave her, tra- I gave her tram tracks. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting thinking when you think back, where is your earliest memory? And there are things that you link to. I remember seeing my father's father, my grandfather. He's, I have one memory of him as and wearing dark rimmed glasses and a, a white singlet and black shorts. And he was getting up from like a day bed and it was at my cousin's house. And they at that stage weren't born, but it was my dad's sister and her husband and they lived near us in Rockhampton. And I just remember that. And my mum said, oh, yes, he always spent his afternoons lying on this day bed on the back veranda. But that was probably one of the earliest because he died in 1966. So that's about a three, four-year-old memory Mm. I have. But I can't sort of go back any earlier than that when I start to think about it. That one memory of my grandfather. And then, then then once you go on from the year he died, I've got lots more memories of many things Mm. uh, happening. Anything in particular that you'd like to share? Oh, um, I remember that. Oh, I yeah, talk about talk about being an entertainer who does inappropriate things. Um, I remember the day Harold Holt died, and you weren't we were, making jokes on the day, were you? I I did. This is the thing I did. Um, we were down. We were down at the beach at one of the places on the Capricorn Coast, just down from Rockhampton, and the news came through that you know lost and all that and I went for a you know, swim with my mum went down with me and I and I just laughingly said oh look at me I'm Harold Holt <laughs> <laughs> and my mother said you can't do that <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm wait- I don't know I was waiting for the Chinese submarine to come and pick me up on me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well I think I think that's going to go in your uh, in your funeral, you know, an audio, the, the audio tape your your dad kept in this one. I think this is <laughs> yeah, exactly. just just to highlight yeah. the type of person you really are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I like sticking it to the to our lovely right wing politicians. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, we were interviewing Brian Labor here a few weeks ago, ah, yeah. and he comes from the yeah. same area, and he said that he had an idyllic yep. childhood. How, tell us about your miserable childhood. My miserable childhood. <laughs> My childhood was. Perfect. Exactly. From Everybody from Rockhampton <laughs> tells me the same story. Why was it perfect? Look, it's quite it's quite hilarious because Rocky is. I mean, Rocky is. It's it's a country town. I mean, everyone says Brisbane, where I now live, is is a big country town. Well, Rocky is just country country town, and it's it's the fact that it is never really cold in Rocky. I think it's just, it's, it's always hot, even in wintertime, where it can be cold at about five in the morning or six in the morning. But then two hours later, the sun's up and you're 
sweating away. I, I think it's that. I just think everyone is just slow and everyone is just, you know, it's, it's like lotus eater territory. I think that's the reason why. And my, my parents, I asked my parents, you know, I came along four years after they were married. And I, you know, that sort of period of life, why weren't children born straight after marriage? And I did ask them one day, and my mother got very flustered. I remember she said, oh, do you think, you know, we might have been trying and nothing happened? And my father just looked at me. My father looked at me, and he was very droll. My father had a very dry sense of view. He looked at me and said, do you think we might have wanted to spend some time together before you came along? And I thought, okay, that's pretty fair. Um, They They weren't Roman Catholics, were they? No. Oh, well, no, I just, I just thought they were, were using the rhythm method, that's all, and you were no, a mistake. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, sort of, you know, Church of England come Anglican, mm. but nothing much of that until, yeah, we, we, my mother got involved with the local Anglican church mm. when she had a health scare and kind of thought she should be doing something a bit more upright and moral. I don't know why, but anyway, that mm. sort of happened. My father was never, I believe, my father came from um, a very proud communist party mm. that, that ground. It was a big communist and, party in those days. Mm. So where was he well, born? Tr- was, was he born up uh, north? Yeah, Rocky. he's a Rocky, yeah. Yeah, Rocky boy. Both my parents. The interesting thing, Joe, is my mother often will say, I never changed my name on marriage. Both my parents have the same surname. So when you were giving you know, things to government departments and whatever, saying mother's maiden name, I'd say Martin. They said, no, I said her maiden name. I said, yes, I just gave it to you. And they get flustered. Like, yes. Yeah. So both my parents have the surname Martin, but completely different, you know, no connection whatsoever. And in Australia, the surname with, uh, starting with the letter M, that's the most prevalent, the, the most popular surname in Australia, starting with M is Martin. And I was once at a, trivia quiz night and that was a question and I'm thinking uh, something like Murphy or you know <laughs> Macintosh or Mackay no of course it's my own name yeah. um, and everybody looked at you and everybody looked yes, at and you everyone looks at me and goes particularly the quiz master said it'd be very embarrassing if you put the wrong answer down and it's your own surname I'm like yeah. oh god. god so I've never forgotten that right. never forgotten that so you said your father was an old communist um, all his life or did he change at the end look it's interesting my my grandfather Jim was a railway worker, mm-hmm. and so very much in Queensland through the early 20th century. He was born in 1902 uh, and started work at a very young age. Very, very much working radical politics. But the one interesting thing is that while the Communist Party, and of course, you know, Queensland had a own Communist Party member of state parliament, Greg Patterson. Um, It it was very sort of within within the way that we shall do things, we shall do things by the method. And, of course, our family would have certainly did vote Labor all their life. Uh, He, you know, told me things about, you know, reading uh, certain you know, books in the cupboard with a flashlight because they were, you know, banned. highly suspect in the 50s. Banned. Yeah, 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 you know. Oh, banned, know, oh, banned. Let's not forget, we, we, we had uh, a censor. Yeah. 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 Yes. So all of that sort of thing and and being grown up in that sort of life and my late aunt, because sadly all 
that sort of collection of my father's family, his parents, his older brother, his sister, and him, and they're all gone now. So that little section of the Martin family is no more. Uh, my my aunt told me the story, and she was a you know, great radical feminist, Fabian socialist from as long as I can remember her, tells the story of me as a toddler, very young, sitting on the floor at her place with a copy of the Tribune, which was the <laughs> Australian Communist Party paper. Yes. And I was doing what children do with paper. You sort of flick it about, you muck it around. And my aunt very breezily says, oh, he knows a good paper when he sees one. <laughs> Apparently my mother got completely terrified. She can't say things like that about him. Don't, don't, don't. Look, look, I, I, what, you know, all of a, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the yeah. special branch will be around to arrest exactly. me because I'm playing with the tribute. That's right, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> now, 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 Blair, look, I, I don't know how to approach this question, but uh, did your parents decide to have another child after you or two, or you were enough to uh, stop them? No, 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 they decided to. They decided to. Uh, to go number two, and mm. six years later, my brother came along, right. and the two of us are very different people. We, you know, have a similarity in look in some ways, but we are two very, very different people, my brother and I. There's six years between us, so there's just enough to separate us in a generational sense of mm. the things that you might be interested in or the stuff that you associate with. And he and I have always had different interests in so many different ways. Mm. And that's just been the way it is with mm. us, yeah. So it was just kind of the stranger in the room next door, or did you share a room? We had to share a room for the first few, I don't know, about three years or so. Mm. And my parents, my father was an electrician, and he was the type of, he was the youngest of three. So he, he was nominated basically to get a job his his father had a friend who was an electrician and he said jim i'll take your young boy and i'll apprentice him and away he went and dad had to do nasho he was a nasho in the 50s so mm. he said the only thing we did in nasho was build a football over at Wakehall down here in brisbane yep he even showed me one day he said that's the football over we built <laughs> that was my nasho service was building that oval um and then he became you know, this apprentice. And then he bought the business, basically, uh, because when you're a contractor electrician, you're your own boss as such. And so when this chap retired in the 60s, my father kind of took over that business and just renamed it after himself and my mother. They just called themselves VJ and Philip Martin Electrical Contractors. And there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't VJ Martin or whatever. VJ, uh, Vivian James and Beres Louisa, there's my parents' names. Martin, where was the Anne Sons? Where was the Anne Sons? No. <laughs> what what God, happened? No. What happened? What, you got an education or something? Did you go to high school? I certainly went to high school. I went to university. Well, where did you, go, where did you go to high school? Rockhampton High, Rocky High. So you're not, you're not, a, private, you're not a private school no. boy? No, no. Oh, God, no. I, <laughs> I could not imagine my parents doing that. Right. For a start. However, <laughs> my wonderful feminist Fabian aunt, when they moved to Brisbane in 76, when she got a job working for the state government here, mm. she enrolled her two children in private schools for secondary education. 
not primary, no. secondary education. Well, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of money, primary. That's what well, they tell I, you. <laughs> I, asked, I asked her and I said, why? And she said, old school type. They will get the glad hand everywhere they go mm. because of where they went. But she said, they won't believe all the garbage that will be thrown at them. But, you know, my completely atheist aunt sent my two cousins, one male, one female, to the two Church of England <laughs> private schools in in, uh, in Brisbane. Churchy, Church of England Grammar School or Anglican Church Grammar School is now for my cousin. And uh, St Margaret's, mm. which is one of the two Anglican gals, Schools here in Brizzy for my my younger. Cousins. But were so, they, were they inculcated with the uh, the ideology of the uh, these no. privates? They weren't. That's no. that's unusual. God yeah. no. no, no, neither of them were because they'd been raised by two parents mm. who were political in the sense that they were they were you know pragmatic political. Yep. My aunt had always said, "Oh, you know, all these fringe parties are not really worth it because they can never get into power." You can, you've got to vote for the party that will get you into power. Mm. I have a slightly different opinion to her on that, but that's you know, that's mm. my own thought, mm. and she always expressed that mm. that you know if I have my own thoughts on something and I've developed them, then fine. Was Was there any teacher in high school that um, had an impact on you, or did you just glide through? Um, I'm not talking about corporal punishment, all right? I'm no, sure you got no. the cuts, but let's forget about that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I went to, at primary school, I went to the last remaining single-sex primary school, state primary school in Queensland. And that school, like our ward boys state school, finished in 1986. And it was kind of strange, in a way, going looking back, going that I went to an all-boys school for years three through seven and then went on to high school after that. Teachers, when I think about this, it's like people say, oh, this teacher made huge impact on me. They changed the way I think about life. They, I have teachers who were good. I enjoyed, you know, being taught by them. I don't know that I would say there's one single teacher who changed the way I developed. I mean, there's a collection of them. Rocky High had a reputation for doing an excellent school musical every year. And I think that collection of teachers who ran that, and they were all from various different math teachers, science teachers, language and arts teachers, English teachers, secretarial teachers, all that sort of thing. I think that was the biggest influence because the moment I walked on stage for the first time, I remember being absolutely terrified before making that first entrance. As soon as I did it, I walked off stage. The rest of the cast couldn't keep me down. I was, I was ecstatic. Like, that's brilliant. And for the next four years at high school, I was in every musical, sometimes playing four different parts mm. because that's what I love to do. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me, yeah. is that those teachers were were the ones who opened that door for me. Right. 
that kind of reminds me. I, I went to Salisbury State High, and um, I think it was a very different school to Rockhampton. <laughs> <laughs> and in Grade 11, the uh, vice principal, I can't remember his name, he said, it's about time you boys learnt some culture. And he or- <laughs> and he organised, you'll love this, remember this is State- Salisbury State High in 1967, all right, 67, he organised a male choir. Wow. <laughs> yep, and we're all groomed into it. And he said, if you don't join, you don't pass grade 11. <laughs> I still haven't got over it. <laughs> Trying. Yeah. So, it, obviously, it's, it was in your blood, acting. Mm. Mm. Is, well, is there I any history so. of acting in your family? No. And no. This is my mother had often been asked, and she said, oh, I think there may have been some distant cousins of her mother who might have done <laughs> some work with J.C. Williamson, but she said, no, <laughs> there's nobody. And where it comes, it's like I am the outlier in that respect. Uh, I, I don't sound like <laughs> I don't sound like any of them, and I haven't followed a career that's been anything like. I mean, the only the only thing in the Martin family was at at high school. I think I'd become a school teacher, and they went, "Oh, yes, that's the family business." In that, uh, my father had an aunt, a couple of aunts who were teachers, and my elder cousin. Mm. He and his wife became teachers. They stopped that after a couple of years and went off and did other things. But uh, everyone went, oh, well, that's fine. But I started with that idea at uni but never went on with it because I thought, no, I needed to go and explore something else. And when I did start performing in the mid-'80s, my mother said, well, that's what you should have done. That's what everyone said you should have done when you left school. I thought, great, you know, I've spent six years plumbing around trying to find something to do with my life, and here I'm doing it. But along the way, I've actually been teaching, and, and these are the things that I've had. I've worked in developing um, training and development things by leading those staff. I mean, it's happened. I've become a teacher at 4 Z training coordinator. Other jobs I've done before that, I was the training person. So it, it happened, but it was not the way that, you know, in 1978, 79, my last two years of high school, I thought I was going to end up. Right. So, so what, made, what made you go to Griffith University? Didn't you have the marks to go to the University of Queensland? That's what used to happen no, in the old days. Absolute, absolutely true. In those days, <laughs> in those days... I know, I know. I remember I was born in Brisbane in 51. In those so. days, <laughs> uh, Queensland, in my, my time of schooling, we had a TE score, a tertiary entrance score, and you, each university or course had a score. And the, the holy grail was 990. If you got 990, you got into medicine. Um, 880 was the school to go and do a Bachelor of Arts at the University of Queensland Solution. Now, my mother was, was certain I was going to go there. She'd even arranged that I would you know, be living at St. John's Ooh, College, the Anglican College nice. there and all that, I'd be doing all that. When when the scores came out, I was somewhat below. And she was more upset than me because <laughs> I remember visiting. We went came down from Rocky during 
when we used to have holidays in August. And we went to a few of the unis just to look. It was something the school organised for us to check places out. And I went to UQ. I went up to, we went up to Toowoomba, to Darling Downs, and went out to Griffith. And Griffith was the one that I thought, wow, this is great, because it was fairly new then. It had been founded in 75. And it was carved out of a state forest. That's so, right. You know, every tree had to be... You, you had to give a reason why you were cutting that tree down. And so the, they built this modernist, very sort of slightly brutalist architecture in amongst gum trees. And I was like, when I found that I wasn't able to go to UQ, I was like, yes, my mother was quite upset. But I went to Griffith and I did the Bachelor of Arts Humanities, or started it anyway, and it was a different format than a traditional university like UQ, you would do a foundation year. Everyone did the same stuff. You kind of got a smorgasbord of everything you did. And then you decided what strand you wanted to do for the next part. And Griffith was just across the hill from Macrovac College of Arts Education, which did a diploma of education. And you could do a joint diploma. You'd do two and a half years of your bachelor's. You'd then go and do end of one year, beginning of the other was the joint diploma and you come back and finish your bachelor's and yeah that's what I was planning on doing but then the Commonwealth Games got in the way and uh, trying to cram a university year into something closer to five and a four and a half months or something is what Mm. they foisted onto us just fried my brain and Mm. I just went nah this is not where I want to be I'll go and work for a while and lo and behold the roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd came in. Yeah. There we go. Well, look, uh, you realise we're uh, closely related. My name's Toscano, is yours, Martin. You look. Um, did you ever go to the library at Griffith University? Mm-hmm. Mm. I certainly did. Well, my sister was librarian then at Griffith University. <laughs> Good heavens! Yeah, yeah. look, <laughs> she would have been. No, it's about two, two, that's right. (laughs) And and, and the other thing is, you know, look, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Well, it's serious, but it's funny. My old man, you know, being a typical Italian migrant, he he liked real estate. And he heard one day that they're opening up Mount Gravatt Cemetery across the road from the university, you know, up on the hill there, the cemetery. So he wandered down and he bought a plot at the front to build a, a family mausoleum. And guess what? That's where I'm going to be planted. I'll be going back to Queensland well, <laughs> in the family mausoleum. It's cheap. It's there. It's available. He was a very forward-thinking man, you know. I will, I will have to go and pay my respects. Well, that's, um, that, that's, that's in case you, you don't. Yeah, well, you, know, you know, you never know what yeah, could happen. I might, even get a, I might even get a contract out on you. Who knows? True. My mother has told me that she said, oh, you know, this is where you'll be coming, pointing to the rose tree at the Rockhampton <laughs> crematorium. And I'm like... You think I'm going to spend my eternity <laughs> under this rosebush with you, lot? No, look, look. I, when I go to Queensland occasionally, I go to visit my parents in the mausoleum. There's there's twelve mm. there's twelve slots, and only two have been taken. But the rest of us are slowly going to fill them up. And I'm thinking it's a nice view across to the university, you know. So well, lovely. It's I mean, very nice. nice. A lot of trees, you know. It's the only thing about that cemetery. It's kind of did not. Did not 
dividing denominations. It's really yeah. weird. Yeah. You're listening to Radical Australia on 3CR, streaming on 3cr.org.au. I'm having a chat with Blair Martin, an extraordinary radical from Queensland. All right, let's get back to your life. So yeah. the grease paint. What do you mean grease paint? What's all that about? I don't even know what you're talking about. You went into acting or something? <laughs> yeah, well, that was that, that's the pathway I've been on, somewhat on and off, for uh-huh. the last 35-odd years. So, well, tell yeah. us the low points and the high points. The low points? Yeah. Now? <laughs> now? Thank you. Thank you, Morrison. <laughs> thank you, Frydenberg. Thank you, you lying charlatan. <laughs> yeah, Excuse me. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry, Blair. You've just abused every charlatan in the world, all right? By comparing... <laughs> comparing them to those two. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I apologise to every charlatan I've just, you know, told, you know. Well, you so, know so, so scoundrel? What t- how about that? Scoundrel. I like it. That's a lovely word, scoundrel. Yeah. Scoundrel, I love it. Yeah, just before we came into the studio... Um, being in an urban centre three CR, we kind of wandered down to the coffee shop next door, and and the uh, the coffee bloke there said, "Oh, he called me a gentleman." I said, "Do you know what the definition of a gentleman is?" And he didn't know. Do you know what the definition of a gentleman is? I've heard the one that I've heard is the Fred Truman, the cricketer's version. If that's the one, <laughs> no. it's vulgar. No, not that one. <laughs> No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a concept that came out in the 17th and 18th century in English. You know, those Vikings who took over England. Yeah. You know, it's about people who don't need to work or get their hands dirty in order to survive comfortably. So we live... I said, look, I'm still working, and you're still working. Neither of us are gentlemen. Mm. Uh, That's true, I'm not. You're not a gentleman either. You're still working. No. So well, t- tell us about theatre. How do you get into theatre? I mean, there's no audition, is there? You do audition or you just hang around well, the front, the front here's, door? Here's, here's the thing. So I did, you know, five musicals at Rocky High. Yeah, I but that, that's, that's not in your CV. Nobody's going to accept that no, as CV, no, is it? No, it's not. No, no. And then, you know, I, one of the university places I looked at was the uh, acting thing up at Toowoomba at Darling Downs. And mm. no, didn't get a look in there. But mid-80s, just went along to a very reputable community theatre called the Brisbane Arts Theatre on Petrie Terrace here in Brisbane, auditioned for a play that I had studied in high school and got the role, and one thing led to another. Just kept auditioning for plays that I liked. Shakespeare is a big thing with me, so I did a few of those and then just met other people who started offering me money to perform. (laughs) Right. And that's how it began. I've never, you know, I've auditioned, I think, two times, three times for study stuff Mm -hmm. back in the 80s, but none of them ever, never went to, like, one of them did go to, like, the next level, come back and do another one, another one, and they just said, you know, where are you from? What can you do? What are your options? We think it would be best if you just went off and worked, <laughs> knowing that that meant that they thought, well, he's little getting on a bit in age. I was twenty five, mm. uh, twenty six, getting on a bit, and yeah, but we can't mould him. Yeah, but had so you, had you got if he just goes and learns as you go. Yeah, had you got rid of your accent by then? Oh yes, 
I, well, I, you I should you should have been employed. I mean, I can't see why they wouldn't take with that voice. You could you could do any role. <laughs> well, they were, you know, whatever whatever they decided. Their loss. Their loss. Nida and VCA. That was their choice yeah. back then. It's their loss. Their loss, as far as I'm concerned. That's what I think about, you know, in life. You, sometimes you get turned down. It's just their loss. That's the way to get over and Look, in, in, the, in the acting world, 90% of equity is out of work 100% of the time. So you just accept that. I accepted that, you know, there's going to be points where I'm going to be out of work. I want to try and be as much as the 10% as much as I possibly could. Mm. In us, whatever, whatever mm. way Paul. Tell us about your love of Shakespeare. In... Now, this is interesting because at high school, we were given two Shakespeare plays. In year 10, we did The Merchant of Venice, which I couldn't wrap my head around. But in year 12, we were given the Scottish play, Macbeth. And our teacher, he was actually rather good. He had us read it round the class, like read the play out loud. And people, he said, right, we'll do this. You do this, this and this, and then change and we're at. And I just thought, my God, this is like vibrant. I loved it. Then uh, the other great, at the time, community theatre, it had been professional but had fallen on harder times, was Le Boite Theatre, which had raised quite a lot of great performers and great artists and direction and, and staging, etc., were doing Shakespeare's As You Like It, and I auditioned. And the director, Jim Vilay was really impressed with this, you know, a bunch of mostly young, under 30 young actors. And the very first rehearsal for As You Like It, he gave us the prologue to Romeo and Juliet, two households, both alike in dignity and fair Verona, where we lay our scene, to allow us to learn how Shakespeare wrote so that we could learn to speak it. And for me, that was a a moment of like being, I felt Jim had given us the key to understanding Shakespeare. And after that, I was just besotted with it. I, the next year I did Romeo and Juliet and I've done, uh, what else have I done? Pericles, a play that's almost never done. Um, by, you know, at another theater, I did that. And I have included slabs of Shakespeare and stuff that I've written and performed because, you know, to me, I've done Twelfth Night as well. I mean, these are, you know, these are great pieces of life. Yes, people feel, oh, it's very old-fashioned. It's like, it only sounds old-fashioned to you if the performer is not making the effort to make it connect with you. Mm. And if the performer can do that, then it's a it's wonderful. So I, I do remember as a very young un, ABC TV ran Lawrence Olivia's Hamlet on TV one afternoon, and I remember watching it, and and I was again quite taken with it, and it, it had that sort of you know historical look about it, and I was kind of into history as a as a young and round about ages of nine, ten. So it must have been around that time. And I was into medieval history and stuff, thanks to Keith Michelle playing Henry VIII and Glenda Jackson playing Elizabeth I. And that informed my reading and stuff after that. So I had this connection to it. 
that I've always felt was an important part of it. And I once auditioned, uh, the, the play Pericles auditioned for, and the director said, I really didn't need you to audition. I just wanted to have an opportunity during this tedious round of auditions to hear Shakespeare <laughs> spoken well. <laughs> that is a compliment. That is a compliment. Now, did you, when you were a young person, did you do the obligatory trip to the old dark to uh, look at the Shakespeare sites no. and the globe? You never no. did that? You've never done that? No, I was I was an old person before I got to the other side. Well, how old were um, you? How old were you? I was, I was 40, how old was I? Um, oh, I don't know. 44, well, 45. <laughs> 45. So 45. You, stayed, you stayed in Queensland for 45 years? I mean, I travelled around Australia. I had this thing, Joe. I had this uh, thing. I felt if I haven't seen my country, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be running off elsewhere mm-hmm. until I've seen my country. I need to see my country. So I know this country that I'm in. And pretty much that's what happened. The first overseas experience... Now, let's, go back, let's go back to Australia. So... Did you go to every yeah, corner? Okay. What, did you, did you do road trips? The only, the, yeah, the only bit I haven't been to, if you take corners, is one that I still want to go to, is the Kimberley. Oh, yes. Yeah. Otherwise, I've been to the centre, I've been to Darwin, I've been uh, to bits of South Australia, a fair bit of Victoria, Tassie, love Tassie, uh, centre, coastline of New South Wales, and most of Queensland as well. Mm. So to me, when I felt that I, I don't know, I, I had said this when I was quite young, about 20-ish, I, I really need to see the country. So wherever I had the opportunity, I'd go to, like, I haven't been to Perth yet, let's go to Perth. Let's mm. go and see Perth. I haven't been to Adelaide, let's go there. And then the, the, the acting work that I was doing then took me to places, and I have always been grateful for that job those jobs because I end up going to towns and cities I might not have gone on my own free will mm. you know places like you know Warrnambool Port excuse Ferry, me excuse uh, me excuse me what's wrong with Warrnambool and Port Ferry nothing that's I mean the I'm way saying. you were saying it you go to places you never go to what I'm saying well, it's places <laughs> you might not go to because what might, you know, oh, I was, think, I was thinking of Udnadatta or Birdsville, and you put up Warnerville and Port Oh, Ferry. Birdsville? Yeah. Wow, Birdsville's <laughs> great. Yeah. Birdsville's wonderful. Yeah. I know I've been to Batuta. Oh, yeah. Have you been to Maree? I have. And did you did you do... There's one very important site in Maree. Did you go visit it? Did I go visit it? Mm, not the GAN, no. not the end of the GAN, not the two pubs there. No, no, no. This no. Is, no. In Maree no. is the first mosque ever built in Australia. There's, oh, remember the little Yeah. People, interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you would have seen it. It's just a hole in the ground. Mm. Mm. Just a, yeah. <laughs> but it's all that sort of stuff yeah, that yeah, I've I mean, done. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's fascinating. It, isn't it, it is fascinating. Look, I've travelled all over Australia. I mean, I started at about 18. Once you got a licence in my days, mm. petrol was 12 cents a litre. You just leave home and come back two months later, you know, that's the way it was. Yeah. So did you camp no, did, did you I, camp out or, or were you kind of a bit more sophisticated? No, I'm, I, it's one thing I'm not. I'm not, I might be camp, but right. I'm definitely not a camper. <laughs> so you're a, non, you're, you're a non-camper camp. 
I I have I have uh, I've done glamping. Uh, oh, of course. Well, that's what I'd expect from an actor. <laughs> well, this, this I got this I got as a, a prize uh, at Kings Canyon Station really? in two thousand seven. They oh. were just starting their glamping, and I remember going there with my goddaughter, and I was like thinking, I said to her, I said, "This is not a tent." I mean, it was literally it was built. It's built on steel frame and timber floors, yeah, but yeah. the walls are you know sort of yeah. people, you know this. Yeah. Material that zips up. So yes, it's a tent, but you know, hello. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I anything but. Yeah, I don't like glamping. I'll tell you why. I had this little caravan at Hillsville Park, and it's a little, you know, little fallen down caravan. Been there for thirty five years. Then it was taken over by one of these corporations, and I was evicted last year for a uh-huh. for a you know glamping site. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, people like you, you know. Yeah, people like me. <laughs> so when you blame me, yeah. Well, why not? I'm talking to you. Who else can I blame? <laughs> of course. <laughs> did, did you did, did you find being gay a hindrance in in your profession in Queensland? It wasn't an easy place being gay no. in Queensland no. in the seventies and eighties. No, Queensland is a very interesting sort of example of that because one of the great things about Queensland and being gay is that we have the longest continuously running gay event in the world, Queen's Ball, which is as old as me. The first Queen's Ball was held in 1962 and it's still going today. The same thing with Queer Radio, which I uh, produce, coordinate, along with Dykes on Mike's, our sister show, is the world's longest continuously running diverse and gender and sexuality radio show. Started in 92, mm. but had grown out of a previous collective at Gay Waves, at Fort said, going back to the early 80s. And those were the days when you had Joe Bielke-Peterson, uh, the, the cr- most corrupt premier, while trying to, while still putting forward this, well, my word, don't you worry about that. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing here in Queen Queen. Very Land. good, I, very well, good. I feel his back is alive. You've given him life. Well, well, that's that's the way uh, you go. You 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 fly with them, uh, right? Yeah, You'll yeah, get shot with those crows. Are you going to um, go feed the chooks, are you? Well, yes, yes. They're all <laughs> gathering outside now. But if I go, go, and Flo will give them a few pumpkin scones. Don't you worry about that. I, 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 I know, I know Queensland. I know Queensland. I know who they are. And this is the thing. He projected that, that whole era of I am, you know, I'm here to look after you. I'm your paternalistic guide. I'm a good Christian man, and we're all well. He had some of the most corrupt bastards under him as well, too. I mean, his corruption was just taking... Like, he was very famous for never buying into the superannuation scheme. Yeah, Yeah, but he got his superannuation other ways. However, he had so vulgar, corrupt buggers underneath him that it's interesting that we flourished under that. As much as Queensland's special branch and the corrupt police force, as they say about... Well, they say about New South Wales police force, but it's the same about Queensland. It's the best police force money can buy. You you have that corruption around you, but it just makes you say, I am not going to buckle under what you're doing. Now, growing up in Rocky, yes, I, I, 
I didn't want to be gay because you got teased and tormented for it. And as my mother described me as a young child, you're highly strung. <laughs> okay, I'm highly strung. So, yeah, meaning you're quite sensitive and I would react to that. And, of course, that's fun. You know, if, if you're wanting to tease someone, it's great if you push their button and they go off like a firecracker. Um, and, you know, through my high school years and probably even before that, I was labelled something that I didn't want to be, but, of course, I was. When I came to Brisbane, that changed. And that changed because I was able to start to see there was a world that I could be a part of that felt right for me. And the first time I went into a gay bar club in uh, in Brisbane, I was just gobsmacked. I couldn't believe that this place existed. And there was someone I knew through another association there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. New world. Um, and New that, world. that's how it started. Yeah. But we, we, we knew that we were under oppression. But we just didn't care. And this is the thing I look back at now, back and go, my God, we survived all that, as well as the growing AIDS crisis that hit us all. Thankfully... I don't know. I, I, I was going to say thankfully I survived that, but that make, almost makes me sound a little bit uh, narcissistic to say that. Mm. However, it's it's something that our generation has to acknowledge that we lost our our elders. They there's no elders for gay men, and I am, you know, we've got a whole gap. It's like the First World War. That whole generation just does not exist. Mm. And we've lost that. And we need to make sure that we remind them this is what it was like. It wasn't great, but we survived. Now, you're living the benefits of what we've got. And don't ever let them go. And in this last decade, well, the one just gone before, when we had Campbell Newman, I had to keep reminding people, this is how it goes if you don't stop this. Mm. And I felt we had a job to do at Queer Radio, and we still do. And I did get that sort of feedback. I, uh, one of the young people I trained as an announcer told me, at about, this was a couple of years after this happened, they were said at you know, age of 15, knew he was bisexual, he was at a school, a Lutheran school on the south side. He said, we were really well supported, that was okay, but the Campbell Newman government was in power at the time and everything was so awful the way that they were, not openly, but enough was being said and done to make us feel like we needed to go back to the 70s and the 80s. And he said, we were doing media studies and one of the radio stations we had to study was Triple Z or came up and I would listen to you at night, I'd you know, be in my room, listen to you on queer radio and you would give me such hope that it would be better. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to thank you for that. So I never have forgotten that, that that's the reason we are there is to remind people that we have come a long way. There's still a way to go. And we could always go backwards if you're not careful. Yeah, that's the great thing about radio. You really don't realise the influence you may have in the general community. Yeah. 
And uh, I remember a few years ago I met somebody who was in their 50s, mid-50s, and she said, oh, I've been listening to you since I was 17. You know, and you think that's just extraordinary the influence you can have. And obviously yep. uh, I think people belittle community radio because they think, oh, it's got limited reach, nobody listens. But I think it's quite a very powerful medium and wouldn't have existed for so long. So when did you fall into community radio? Uh 2011, properly, I had been aware of, as I, as I say when I run training courses at Triple Z, I say I've been on air at all three locations Triple Z existed at because in the mid-80s, I was one of the first musicals I was in was Cabaret and we were interviewed on a show at Triple Z. Now, I, I knew Triple Z existed because my cousin you know, lived near you know, Queensland. My aunt was doing post-grad studies there, so I kind of knew this radical radio station existed. And so I got out there and went, my God, this is like bohemia. Such a different <laughs> look of plays out here. So I did that. And then a few years later when the, the great uh, Victoria Brazil kicked them off campus, which without wanting to buff her her ego any more than it perhaps has been over the years, that was a good thing for Triple Z because it moved them off from being a university radio station to a proper community radio station that affected everyone. Uh, the brief period they were at Tuong in a very beige 80s office building, totally inappropriate. But Triple Z, it was too small. It just didn't work. I went there for a Gay Waves episode because I knew people who were doing Gay Waves at the time. And then Queer Radio came along and I occasionally would go in and the great Don Frame, who was coordinator for over a decade, would contact me and saying, hey, can you come on and chat about something or do you want to do this and Mark Jeffrey who took over from him kept doing that and I'd introduced a friend of mine uh, Aaron Holloway to Queer Radio because he's a photo artist and he and his partner were moving to Germany his partner's a composer and a conductor and Mark said oh well Aaron's leaving do you want to take his spot and I went yeah sure I'm not really doing anything in 2011 the touring work I was doing as an actor and other stuff had come to an end I was like oh okay this is my next so that started, uh, we're coming up to 10 years in October as a permanent member of uh, Queer Radio on Triple Z. Mm, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your name to Blair, yeah. Blair Socrates, Martin. <laughs> Is he giving me hemlock? <laughs> no, 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 for, cor- yeah, for corrupting the youth. The youth. For corrupting exactly. the youth there in Queensland for the last, what, 10 years. I look at all those one of the things I'm proudest of is the youth training I've done of uh, announcers who are like 14 and 15 and 16 making programs some of them scare the sh- shivers out of me because <laughs> they are doing something you're doing this at 14 how the hell are you doing this? and I've got all these programs on their digital which is good because they're all pre-recorded and you know they surround you with your magnificent program of Anika's World this week. Oh, so, flash will get you um, everywhere. Well, you're, you're, you're part of the legacy of Z Digital. And I've been involved with programming Z Digital now for five years. But part of that went along with the former station manager, Michelle Brown, said it'd be really good with your training stuff if you can start to bring people to Z Digital. It'd be good if you run Z Digital that way you can. And that was it. I filled our grid 
ZZ Digital, which does unique programming mm. from 6pm till midnight, seven days a week. And a lot of those programs are people who are at high school. So, yeah, I have corrupted them because I said, <laughs> well, would you like a platform? Do what you want with. <laughs> Within reason of the Broadcasting Services Act 1992 and the Codes of Practice of the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia and the Station Policy and the Mission Statement of 4ZZZ. Thank you. I'm glad you understand that we do have limitations. Now, we've got about two minutes, and the question I like to ask at the end of these little chats is, do you have any advice for listeners regarding how to get the most out of life? Yes. Never, ever think you cannot do something because another person has told you you shouldn't do it. Always examine your own understanding and be aware of your own understanding. I think it comes down to just being aware. Be aware of who you are Mm. and never, ever let that go. Be aware of who you are. So if people want to uh, listen into the digital component of 4ZZZ, um, is there a a site they can go to? Yeah. So the Triple Z website is four, that's the figure four and three Zs, four zzz.org.au. We stream live and on demand, both our platforms, 102.1 FM, which is the legacy station, the original station. That's where Queer Radio is between 8 and 10 on a Wednesday night. And all of our programs are available on demand through the website as well for up to six to eight weeks from the date of broadcast. And they can, yeah, stream us from anywhere in the world, live or pick us up on demand. Great. Well, thank you, Blair. It's been a pleasure chatting to you over the last hour or so. I wish you all the best. And I'm going to make a promise to you, Blair. If you die before me, I want an invitation to your funeral. Uh, Dr. Joseph Toscano, it would be my absolute pleasure to invite an alma mater of Salisbury High School because I used to go past it on a bus did you, did when I was a Griffith and, and you used to think, and you used to think, thank God I don't go to Salisbury High. Thank God I'm not a Southsider in Brisbane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Thank you very much. And you too, Joe. Thank well, you. Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.